Talk Radio 96.7. We are talking sports because there's the signpost up ahead. We are entering the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. We got a great show coming up for you tonight, so you need to stay tuned. We're going to have Fred Stokes, former Georgia Southern defensive end, who played in the NFL, won Super Bowl 26 with the Washington Redskins, and he is a real gentleman on and off the field. So I want to thank my buddies Mark and Brant Martin for getting that one for us because they are the ones that gave me all his information. Coach Joe, the 12-team playoff in college football looks like it's overcome another hurdle when they told those elitist Rose Bowl folks if you want to be in the rotation, you're going to give up that time slot. Yeah, the contract uh, for that time slot in the Rose Bowl, I think, has at least a couple more years to run. And so they uh, they were able to convince the Rose Bowl to uh, alter that so that they can have a 12-team playoff as early as 2024. So it wouldn't be next year, it'd be the year after. So it's exciting. It's happening. It's coming together now. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. You and I were having a discussion, and I think we differ on this. I don't want to see home games teams. I don't want to see somebody play in Wisconsin in late December and it's minus 15 degrees. And uh, I think you differ with me on that. Well, for the first round, I think it's a great idea. And, uh, you know, it, it's something that will enhance uh, the fact that there's an additional round of playoffs. I think the fact that uh, there's 12 teams uh, is important because there's enough teams in college football playing a uh, at a high enough level that with that many teams, four tends to not be enough. Uh, not that the four best teams who are going to be in this year's playoff aren't all worthy, but there's also good teams that tend to at least have an argument or could on a given day give the uh, top four a game. So I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of mismatches, especially if teams get rid of the division uh uh, division, I guess the division process for structuring their uh, their their conferences, and you just take the top two in each conference championship game, and then the winner gets the automatic berth. I think when that happens, you're going to have good teams among the top 12, and all of them with at least a puncher's chance of winning a playoff game. And you're still going to have the best teams emerge, but it's the fairest way to do it. And the fact the uh, the first round involves games on campus. I, I think I think it's I think it's going to be a terrific addition to the to the process. Yeah, there might be some cold weather games, or, oh, there uh, will and so be. forth, and there might be some home field advantages. But that's what the playoffs are, right? Well, that, I don't want to see the weather play a role in it. Uh, well, that, that's my problem. <laughs> All right. So what happens so, if starting had, the season in well, September in Gainesville? I think the weather plays a role too, man. Well, what, what happens <laughs> if you have a snowstorm or an ice storm, and the game gets delayed, and so you've got one team that's going to win that game and they're going to have a short week because you can't put the stuff off. You're still going to have to play. And uh, I just don't want to see that. I want to see them play in a sterile environment where it's the two teams playing each other and not playing the weather. Uh, yeah, the, You know, uh, home home games in playoffs, uh, I think, are a really great attraction. They seem to work okay in the NFL. And uh, most of these organizations are big enough, powerful enough, and organized enough to uh, deal with uh, those occasions when weather might threaten a, a at a time and at a place that might uh, hinder the playing of a game. Uh, and uh, I, I, I think 
I wouldn't I wouldn't not do it just because of the occasional bad weather situation. Uh, and again, it's not for all of the games. It's just for that first round because what you're doing is you're adding a layer uh, that's not there now. And you know, after that, the rest of the playoffs are going to be involved with the bowls, which is our neutral sites. It involves traveling, but for the sake of your fans and uh, and the players, uh, having having the, uh, as a fan, I know to go to three different neutral site games like in a row like that, you know that's not that's not cheap or easy. And uh, and also, the chance for playoff games on campus, you know, on campus uh, is part of the real. Uh, attraction of college football it, it's amazing atmosphere and to have playoff games there would be off the charts i i, I think it's uh, i although there might be the occasional bad weather it's a net positive and it, it would really add to this and, and it makes it makes expansion to 12 teams i think even more attractive as an option Former Buccaneer and Gator great Brad Culpepper. And you're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the studio, ready to go. The Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7 brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe here in the Ozone. And it's a distinct pleasure for us to have with us tonight former Georgia Southern defensive end, former Los Angeles Ram, New Orleans Saint, and, of course, Washington Redskin, Fred Stokes. Fred, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be with you guys tonight. Oh, man. Uh, Fred and I had a great conversation. I had so much fun talking to him. Fred, you actually started the Georgia Southern program with the legendary Irk Russell. What was that like? You know what, man? It was, it was, it was, it was exciting initially just because I had only played one year high school football um, you know, after, after, after the seventh grade, I, ne- I didn't play any more football. I mean, I, I played basketball, ran track. And, and so my senior year uh, was the first time I played football since I was in the seventh grade. And then having uh, received a full scholarship um, from Georgia Southern, which I, I didn't know Georgia Southern had a football team at the time. And of course they were just getting started and, you know, everybody over there, all the guys were new. It was like everybody was equal. There was no, there was no one to look up to. Like if you'd gone to, you know, George or Georgia Tech or some of these other big programs, and they've got all this history where you've got, you know, guys walking around going, "Oh, that's that's so and so." Oh, that's so. There was none of that, uh, but it was just exciting because it was just so new. Do you have an Irk Russell story? A favorite Irk Russell story you can tell us? <laughs> yeah. I've got several Russell stories, man. I tell you, man. One of the one of the ones that I've got a personal one that he, he he was kicking my tail, man. Kind of got me in line. But one of the guy, one of the ones where, you know, people sometimes remember the great things that you do and some of the accomplishments that you've made, but they don't they don't understand the the the, the battle and the triumphs and and the, you know all the things you have to go through to get to that place. You know, people look at your glory, but they don't know your story, right? And so the championship that we won, the first championship in 1985, we, we beat uh, Furman, uh, you know, Tracy Ham threw a touchdown pass uh, with like 14 seconds left on the clock, and we beat Furman 40-40-42. But prior <laughs> to that, uh, to all of that happening and everybody knowing George Southern won all these championships, well, at halftime, well, prior to that, we, we played Furman, and, and we had the triple offense. And, and nobody really ever shut us down. I mean, we could do things, the nuance here, kind of a, a, a tweak over here, 
Uh, and we could just kind of get past some teams. But Furman, man, they had us down pat. They had Tracy. They, they, Tracy would give the ball to Gerald Harris. They would, they would kick in our tail in the dive. If he pulled it from Gerald and tried to pitch it to Ricky Harris or the tailback, they were knocking that guy in the mouth. And we were kind of dumbfounded. Like, nobody's never really shut us down. And then, <laughs> on top of that, Furman had a tailback uh, nicknamed Touchdown Tommy for a reason. <laughs> And, and touchdown Tommy was killing us. Um, and so we go into halftime. We're down 21-6. to six. Had never really been in that position before. So Coach Russell says to us when he comes out to the uh, coaching meeting, he says, hey, guys, because we're blaming people. We're you know, all in a frantic and panicking. He says, hey, guys, calm down. And, and he, in his Coach Russell way, he's looking very uh, secure, very confident, and he speaks with authority, saying, guys, here's what we're going to do. And it's like, okay, this is it's like God speaking, you know. <laughs> he's, like, yeah. he's got the ultimate plan, and so everybody's on on our. We're like, okay, he's got a plan. So he said, he said, man, here's what we're gonna do. We, we, they're kicking our butt, and that's the reality. He went through that whole thing. He said, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go out and we get the ball. Trace Ham, we're gonna get our stuff together. We're gonna go down. We're gonna score. We're gonna go for two, and it's gonna be twenty-one to fourteen. He says, Tim Foley's going to kick it. Uh, we're going to go for two and be 21 to 14. He says, then our defense going to stuff their butts when they get the ball. Our offense going to get the ball back again. Tracy and our high-powered offense going to take the ball back down the field. <clears throat> we're going to let Tim Foley, our great field goal kicker, kick that ball through the uprights. It's going to be 21-21. And then he takes this pregnant pause, seemed like for 30 seconds, and he says, guys, Let's go get them. And, man, we ran. <laughs> we were jumping up and down, man, because we was like, yeah. And so, anyway, long story short, it started off that way. We got the ball, sure enough. Tracy was driving, you know, yada, yada, yada. The hand-bone offense. The hand-bone offense, but we did not score, man. And we're looking at Coach Russell going, well, that's not the way it's talking about. And, 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 and so, anyway, they go down and score, and now it's 28-6 to six in the third quarter. 28-6. to six. And we came back, man, and, and won that game 44-42. But, but Coach Wilson in that locker room, man, had us so convinced. Um, <laughs> and I think if he might have not given that type of speech, I mean, it, it really turned us around a little bit. But it took a minute. Guys got, had to get in the right place. Kind of we felt like a, a title fight in a, in a boxing match. You know, they, they came out and hit us in the wow. mouth early. And uh, we just didn't know what to do. But Coach Russell was a motivator and an inspirator like nobody's business. Fred, you – um. You went out to the L.A. Rams, and you were from Vidalia, Georgia, and you met a guy who was just like your good buddy out there who was from Monticello, Florida, a guy named Jack Youngblood, and uh, you couldn't find any cowboy boots. Tell that story if you would. <laughs> Jack Youngblood helped you find you know some cowboy boots. Yeah, Ron, you know what, man? <clears throat> I don't my, I don't have the smallest foot in the world, but, you know, I wear, I wear, I've got a good platform and a good base. I'm six, four and a half, six, four, you know, therefore six, five, once I put my boots on and I need something sturdy. So my, my, my foot size is size 15. <laughs> and, uh, and I just had a hard time finding boots, man, here in, in Vidalia. And even when I went to Statesboro and, um, you know, you guys, you know, small guys with nines and tens and even elevens, they go, yeah, let me get the brown pair, give me the black pair. You know, oh, give me those two pairs. And I'm going, okay, uh, can I, you got a 15? He's like, I might have something in the back. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> I never could find any shoes, man. But when I got to L.A. and, and ran into Jack Youngblood, um, man, Jack was amazing. Um, just really took me on, on his wings and, and, and really uh, talked to me about, 
the nuances of playing defense in the NFL and, and the mindset it takes. And, and then when he realized that I was kind of a, a cowboy in boots, jeans, boots and jeans at heart, he took me to a place. And, and I'm telling you guys, he took me to a place. And I'm walking in, looking to hear the same old story. When I tell the guy what size of war, he's going to go in the back somewhere and bring out some, some old, raggedy, ugly-looking boots. <laughs> and when I said 15, he was like, uh, what color you want? Wow. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and we, he showed me some, he showed me, and I thought I had gone to boot heaven, you know. <laughs> but Jack really stayed with me, man, there. He really continued to talk with me. And, 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 and I know I'm probably sure I would have, you know, found my bearings and got my footing, if you will. But, but Jack kind of sped that process up. We're talking tonight with Fred Stokes, uh, 682-1430, if you want to join us, 682-1430. Fred, of course, had a great 10-year career, including a Super Bowl championship with the Washington Redskins in Super Bowl twenty six. But before that, uh, drafted in 1987 by the Rams in the 12th round. How in the name of Mel Kuyper Jr. did you (laughs) last until the 332nd pick, Fred? (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Again, sometimes people don't finish like they start. you know, you, you can look at and talk to a lot of great athletes, um, you know, from all different sports, uh, from basketball to soccer um, and, and, and all the sports in between and, and look at some of those. I, I was listening to a, um, uh, the, the president and CEO of, of Under Armour talking about uh, Steph Curry and, and that whole uh, his whole maturation process and how Steph came on the scene. And they said they signed a contract with Steph in 2011 when no one was really knocking down his door, Nike and the other companies weren't. And you think, what? You know, how did it happen? And so the answer to your question is I only played that one year high school football. So by the time I got to draft day, I'd only been back in football for five, six years, actually. And I didn't play any defense in college at Georgia Southern. I played offensive tackle. So I was, when Tracy was running that, that our high powered offense, I was blocking and scooping and, and, you know, trying to keep, keep guys off of him. And so there was no film of me playing defense. So just by me getting drafted uh, as a defensive end, man, it was just, you know, some things happen like they're supposed to happen. And it was just a blessing for me to, to, to have that opportunity. And really to say, uh, when I'm introduced and, and part of my bios, I got drafted in the National Football League. I didn't sign as a free agent. I didn't send out a bunch of film. The Rams saw, uh, I, I guess, a, a raw guy that could run a 4-6-40 or better that could jump out the gym, I mean, when I played my senior year at Valdez High School, we played against Kenny Walker in the state championship. And Kenny Walker, if you guys remember, was the uh, slam dunk contest. Sky they Walker. Him Sky Walker. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, when we tipped the ball off at my senior year, when we tipped the ball off, I'm 6'4", Kenny 6'8", I outjumped Kenny. The first Man. tip off, I, he was shocked. Now, he came back later in there, and he had a great game, and the guy can jump out the gym, and I didn't really stand a chance. But <laughs> I could really jump. So I was athletic, and I think that's what scouts are looking for more than position players. They're looking for players that are talented that they can put in different positions that work for that team. And well, I understand you, what in the Mel Kiper happened. That's what really happened. Yeah, I can I just imagine. Well, you know, you, you did have the opportunity. To, you mentioned Jack Youngblood taking uh, yeah. you under his wing, and you played with Hall of Famer Jackie Slater. And you also got to, with Washington, you got to play with uh, under the Joe Gibbs, the Hall of Fame head coach. And, uh, you know, look – uh, bottom line is I'm old enough to remember when Washington was an elite uh, organization and they're not anymore, but under Joe Gibbs and when you got to play with them, they were, and uh, that must've been just a tremendous experience. It, it, it really, it really 
was, I mean, being able to play um, under Coach Gibbs, and I had known about the Redskins because, um, you know, in 87 they won the Super Bowl with Doug Williams. They they beat the breaks off of Denver, had that 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 um, awesome second quarter. I think it's a I think it's still maybe a record uh, number of points they scored in the second quarter. And and then too, those two bookends, Charles Mann and Dexter Manley, they were on the cover of Sports Illustrated, um, you know, talking about their their accolades and, and how they were, you know, putting the pressure on the quarterback. So I knew the Redskins and, and matter of fact that same year in eighty seven they beat us on Monday night football when we went to Washington. So I knew the the organization, but I did not know the man, uh, Coach Gibbs, Coach Joe Gibbs with his integrity and his character and having played for that dude, man. He, I'll tell you guys, he's the real deal. I mean, he – you look at him. I mean, he's won, what, four or five NASCAR championships. He won three Super Bowl championships with um, three different quarterbacks. Um, you know, he knows how to put a team together and, and, and make it happen. Uh, yeah, that that's an amazing experience. I wanted to ask you real quick, Fred. I was intrigued yeah. uh, to hear about um, an organization that you're pro- a part of, a nonprofit Called Lint Brother, uh, L-I-N-T, meaning Life I Never Tell, brother. Uh, can you t- tell us about that? You know what, guys. The long and short of it is, just about every organization I say, um, when it comes to uh, you know being compassionate, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, <clears throat> um, and other such programs that, and and even um, uh, the, the thing is, most people have some type of direct connection with that. And 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 me, there's no difference. Uh, life I never tell kind of stemmed from me having struggles. Uh, as I say, sometimes what what looks what you see on the outside is not what's happening on the inside, or what you see on that television screen and social media is not the true story. And having won the Super Bowl, uh, and I probably was a play away from winning MVP. Uh, I mean, I, my name was mentioned as a possible MVP. I had two and a half, I say three sacks, a fumble recovery, a calls fumble. I, you know, I was blessed to have a great game. And then I signed this multi-million dollar contract to go to L.A. and and still battling with some internal things of my own and not really feeling like, though, guys, that I had somebody that I could truly talk to that understood me. And and, and, or I'll put it this way. It's like the the sitcom um, um, Home Improvement. You know, Wilson, when he's standing (laughs) on the other side. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, most men are Wilson. You know what I'm saying? We talk about sex, drugs, rock and roll, and the such. And, and so I was that guy, man. I found myself, um, you know, it, and I'm not, I mean, I, it, I talk about it now, but I was ashamed and afraid to talk about it, you know, years ago. Is I was on the edge, I mean, on the verge, and it's just a miracle that I'm still here uh, of committing suicide. Uh, I had a Super Bowl ring. I had three houses, including my mom's house in Georgia. I still have my house in Virginia and I had a house in L.A., and I had this multi-million dollar contract, and internally, man, I was just going through a lot of stuff. The pressure of, I was on a couple of magazines in L.A., and they brought this guy out, this kid out from Washington that's part of, that's along with, I think, three or four other guys that's supposed to be a part of the group that's going to help us get to the promised land. And some of the pressures that I was feeling internally uh, without being able to talk to anybody. So, therefore, years later, um, as my wife really helped me with it and kind of, uh, birthed it out as I'm talking to men to have somebody that they can get down to the lint with in their pockets, you know, that they can pull their pockets inside out. And as I began to unfold that, it came up to me. It's like, wait a minute, lint, life I never tell. Cause you can't see the lint that's deep down in your pocket. Well, that's you, right. You got, if you got credit cards or money or wallet or whatever, you can see the imprint in some cases, 
depending on the 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 the, 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 the uh, material you have on, but you can't see the lint unless Fred, you pull your pockets inside uh, out. Unfortunately, we're out of time in this segment. If you have time, we'd yeah. love to bring you back after the break. We've got about a two or three minute break. I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. I'm do, good. I'm do you have time? Go ahead. Okay. All yes, right. Sir. Well, we'll yes, come sir. back with you then okay. in, in just a couple minutes. Well, you're listening to Fred Stokes. You'll pick up on that. I'll, I'll finish that story. Go ahead. Fantastic. <laughs> Fred Stokes here in the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hey, let's get back and talk some more sports. It's Ronnie and O and uh, the uh, Coach Joe. They're talking sports in the Ozone. The Ozone is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, and their specialty is that they turn scrap metal into cold, hard cash. All right. Our guest, Fred Stokes, has been gracious enough to stay with us for another segment. And, uh, Fred, you were talking about your Limp Brother Foundation. I also want you to talk about Fred Stokes Foods. And also, you know, you have been, your success in overcoming the, the problems that you may have had have resulted in two wonderful young men. And I want you to talk a little bit about that, too. So, Fred, go ahead. You still with us, Fred? Oh, maybe we lost Fred. Um, Hello. Here okay. Hello. Did, did okay, you hear what yeah, I said, yeah, I Fred? It. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I had you on. Uh, didn't want to make any noise. I had you on mute. Okay. Um, but but yes, yes, I did. Um, you know, I, I as I was talking about with Lent Brothers, that you know, you you really can't see and and my 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 at Lent Brother, our core focus is empowering men to be emotionally free, not emotionless, but emotionally free. Um, you know, the, 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 the deodorant commercial years ago about, you know, never let them see you sweat <laughs> subliminally was not about deodorant sweat. It's like men never let people see you out of control, never let people see you where you don't have the answer, never, never let them see you in a compromising situation. Uh, every man should be in control, uh, you know, all, at all times and, and so forth. And, and so we've been trained to condition men don't cry. Men don't show their real emotions, and so that's a farce. But but I was there, and so through, like I said, long story short, uh, we just formulated Lent Brother Life I Never Tell, and it's just been amazing the the reception that we received as we've been doing training. I've got a curriculum that I've written for it, um, and 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 that's the whole deal. But you can go to lentbrother.com and and see a lot of that. And yes, we have Fred Stokes Foods too. That uh, if you guys heard of Bubba Burger. I got yeah. into the food industry. Yeah, oh, really? with Bubba Burger. Uh, yeah, one of Bubba's sons, Edward, and I went to college together at Georgia Southern. Edward played defense at Georgia Southern, and I did not after know the that. NFL, yeah, he and I reconnected. Edward and I reconnected. He was working with the family business. They, out of, they were out of Elberton, Georgia, <laughs> and uh, and Edward and I would travel around. And and I, I just I enjoyed what I do now with you guys, as you can tell. I enjoy talking to people, meeting people, and connecting with people. And that was my strong suit. I knew nothing about Bubba Burgers or the product. <laughs> I love Bubba Burgers. But, yeah, but but it's I the only burger the, I ate, I man. <laughs> yes, I enjoyed the industry, and so it went from there. And I started working with an organization, a company out of Oklahoma, and I traveled all over the world, uh, going through military installations, and uh, and loved it. And then I got connected with a, a company out of Statesboro, uh, who were at the time Robin's Hot Dog. Um, and so that's back in 2007, we formulated Fred Stokes Foods, the brand. And and we've been we've got uh, a smoked sausage. Uh, it's skin. It's a it's a natural casing skin. It's gluten free. It is a pork sausage. But at one point we were in Walmart stores and we had some public stores and and uh, we were in 130 something 
Sunny's restaurant, but now we only deal with uh, food service. We don't have any retail stores because retail is just a beast. But that's what wow. I do. And uh, and so I enjoy those things, man. So I got a couple of things going on as you can see. Yeah, no doubt. Fred, talk a little bit about yes, one of the things you told me about was um, <laughs> when you came in and uh, there was a guy named Jackie Slater that you had to go up against in practice. And uh, you'd learned the swim move, and you thought, well, I worked pretty good in college. You know, maybe that'll work pretty good against this guy. Tell that story. Well, you know what? I, I You know what, Rob? I saw guys, because I didn't play defense in college, but I saw guys use the swim move. Some of them even tried it on me with some similar success in, in, in college. So I thought, man, I could use that move in the pros. But Jackie Slater is 6'6". Uh, at that time, I think he had been in the NFL about 11 or 12 years. <laughs> and Jackie really, along with uh, the two Jacks, Jack Youngblood really kind of helped me with the defensive side of things. And Jackie Slater was a, he was a professional man. He was, he was a, he was a hard worker. Uh, he wanted to hone his craft. He didn't want to take any shortcuts. And even on Fridays, when, you know, a couple of days before the game, you're kind of trying to get your body acclimated, resettled and kind of, regain your energy and, 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 and get ready for this, this beast of a game that you're going to play on Sunday. And Jackie uh, Slater would tell me on Fridays, hey, Fred, I, I need your best three steps when you come off that ball, man. You got to come off the ball like you're going to go get the quarterback. So I had this idea that I was going to swim Jackie Slater. <laughs> I was like, I've seen it work before. It got to work. <laughs> so, so, Rob, I actually came off the ball like, like a bat out of Hades, man, and I am barreling towards the quarterback. And I made an inside move on Jackie to kind of freeze his feet. And when I threw my arm up in the air and exposed my rear cage, he put those gloves up against the, the cavity of my chest <laughs> 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 when, and redirected me so fast. As I got my breath back together, I said, uh, that was the wrong thing. To do. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Rook, I've seen that I, before. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Jackie, I mean, I, mean, he, I, don't, I don't even know if I used the swim move throughout the rest of my career. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. We're having a great time talking to Fred Stokes, 682-1430. If you want to join in the conversation, 682-1430. Hey, Fred, there was recently a homecoming event <clears throat> in Washington, right? Uh, and uh, it's been 30 years uh, since that Super Bowl, did you have a chance to uh, meet up with some of your old teammates back then? That was at the Green Bay game, I believe, right? Yes, it was. That was at the Legends weekend. And and I tell you what, I had not been back. I had not been back prior to that because of my schedule or traveling or whatever. But they're, they're, they've had different things before COVID that guys will go back, um, you know, periodically and meet up. Um, and they did some type of recognition. They were actually going to uh, recognized that that uh, our Super Bowl team the year of COVID, and they didn't get a chance to do that. And so instead, they came up with a brilliant idea to recognize all three Super Bowl teams. So there were guys that were on the Super Bowl team back in 82. Uh, of course, Doug and, and that group that was the 87 team, and then our team with Mark Rippin. So uh, Mark was there, Doug was there, Joe Theismann was there. And really just to see some of those guys, man, and connect. And they did a great job over the weekend of, of, of with different functions and, and outings that we did to give us an opportunity to to kind of reminisce, if you will, and, 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 and replay the tapes that we had. And it was interesting to see, because it's amazing, guys, when athletes get back together, it's like they never left that place. <laughs> they start talking trash again. <laughs> well, hey, we, oh, you my know, God. The, 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 Washington's uh, Washington's actually showing some signs of life this year. First time in a while. Uh, what do you think of the defense they've got? 
you know what? The defense, is, it, that's what it's going to take. And I, I tell people this, and this is probably a sidebar from what you guys are talking about, but I've got to, since we've got listeners out there and, and you guys are in the location that you are in the proximity to Tampa, um, you know, people talk about Tom Brady being a goat. Um, I tell people, laughing out there, I was raised in the country. I was raised with goats. I know what a goat is. Like. <laughs> 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 you know, but I tell people, I, I tell people, I say, man, Tom Brady is a goat. He's not the goat. It is hard. <laughs> it, 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 is, it, is, it is almost impossible just because you guys mentioned Jack Youngblood and Jack Slater and other deep, great defensive guys out there, the, the, the steel curtain, the the purple people eater back in, in uh, Minnesota. Um, and, and so it takes great defenses. If you look down the line through history, uh, the Giants, when they had Lawrence Taylor and, and, and uh, Marshall and, 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 and those guys. Um, yeah, Dallas is doomsday defense. Dallas, exactly. And if you look at, if you look down through the years and whoever's listened to this conversation, not Fred being hating on Tom Brady or any other great quarterback out there, <laughs> it's the fact that, just like what you're saying with Washington, Washington is winning now because their defense is standing up. When we won the Super Bowl, our defense was, I think, if not the number one, number two or three ranked defense, Super Bowl-wise now, of all the Super Bowls that had been played, we were that good. Wow. And they, and they, did, these, they did the strength of schedules, you know, like you do in college or high school or something. But we played the Dallas Cowboys. They had a great team that year. Uh, we played the NFC East, the Giants, Philly. We played some tough teams that year, and we only lost two games. Two games. Mark Ripping only got sacked seven, uh, 11 times. No, let's see. I think it was 11 times maybe uh, the whole year. I think it might have been seven. Uh, but we played 19 games. 19 games, he got sacked seven times. Wow. And, and, and Mark Ripping is no – he's no – and Mark <laughs> is a great guy, but he's no Tom Brady. <laughs> but, but you see the success that we had because our defense stood up. So anybody out there, you can, you can Google this. You can check it out. Check out the Super Bowl teams that have won and look at their defense and see where they're ranked in, in all of the NFL. Fred, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is did you ever play against Jason Odom? I did not. I, did not. He, not I think he I was probably of. after you. Anyway, he's, he's strong in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and Jason's from Bartow, played for the Gators and played for the Bucks. And um, I asked Jason, and I asked, I talked to Roger Staubach about this, and it hits me with you that you're a real gentleman off the field and you have to turn that on and turn it off. And we asked Jason, I asked him, I said, you know, a lot of people say that a Christian can't be a fierce competitor. How, what, how do you answer that question? He said, clearly they never lined up in front of me. <laughs> how did you turn it on and turn it off? Well, you know what? I, I, I think because if you say a Christian can't play a, a professional sport or be intense and, and, and really um, play at a high level, I say, I say the difference is that should make you play at a high level even more so because now you can put your body on the line, you can give it all, and when you're not giving it all, then you should feel the shame that you're, you're cheating the gifts that you've been given from God. And so I think that you ought to be, and I say the same thing. I, yes, I'm very gentle. I'm okay. I had, a, I had a difficult time trying to make that adjustment when I got in the NFL and my story. And of course, I, as you guys can tell, I, I mean, even some of my presentations, I share some stories like this, but the first three, it took me about three years to learn how to play in the NFL because in high school, you don't talk to an enemy. I'm from Vidalia, Georgia. 
we our rivalry was Lions, Georgia, six miles away. We like brothers and sisters, you know what I'm saying? We're fighting. <laughs> you know, we <laughs> you have rivalry week and we go to the same grocery stores all year long, but then when we have the, the game we play, you know, guys are arguing and fighting. I'm like, wait a minute. We shop at the same places. <laughs> but <laughs> but 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 that's and in college, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, you know, you have those rivalries. And then when I got to the NFL, you got guys talking before the game and Hey man, how you doing? And family wise, and I'm 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 observing all this. I'm like, wait a minute, why are you talking? We get ready to play, and then they go play, and they're trying to kill each other. <laughs> and then after the game, they went, Hey man, let's pray. I'm like, No, you tried to knock my hand off. I don't want to. Pray. <laughs> <laughs> but but oh, that's man. the thing, guys. You say that's the professionalism of it, and you see it in NBA, you see it in baseball, every sport. When you're at that professional level, especially even too when you talk about uh, a man of faith, it causes you to even to, to give more. Because you've been given more, if that makes sense. Well, it does, and and you've given us so much tonight, and we're eternally grateful, Fred. Uh, Fred Stokes, uh, you, you come back anytime. We just uh, just love talking to you. Wish we could talk all night, but uh, well, this, man, I thank you. They, guys they for only give us so much airtime. <laughs> Fred, thank you so much. And uh, real quickly, real quickly, I know you do um, presentations. You're a speaker. How can somebody line you up as a motivational speaker? You can reach out to me. There's two emails. Um, uh, the one is lentbrother at gmail.com is the main email where you can reach out. You can also go to our website, lentbrother.com, and, and click on that and send it, send a message to it. it. It'll go directly to my assistant, Marie, and just state on there what you're looking for. She'll get back with you. I'm very personable. As you can tell, I'll call you and talk to you. Uh, <laughs> but you can send that to lentbrother at gmail.com, or you can go on the website, lentbrother com and reach out to us. Fred, thank you so much again. What a pleasure. Yes, sir, guys. All righty. Thanks so God much, God bless Fred. you. I hope you have a wonderful thank evening. You guys. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Fred Stokes, okay. man. What? <laughs> I tell you, we've never had more fun with a guest than we did with <laughs> no, Fred, did we? tremendous. Oh, Absolutely. man. Well, you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, this is Rico Petroselli of the American League champion 1967 Impossible Dream Red Sox. You're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ozone. Oh, yeah. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, guys, it's time for the Lakeland Ale House Sports Quiz. Chance to win $30 to the Miller's Lakeland Ale House at 5650 South Florida Avenue in Lakeland, Florida, with their 40 strategically located TVs and drink and meal specials every night, which I'll talk about in a minute. But let's get the question out there. If you know the answer... 682-1430. To this sports quiz question, it is the anniversary of the Hale Flutie pass that uh, where Doug Flutie, the Heisman Trophy winner in 1984, with his biggest moment, one of the biggest moments in college football history, beat a certain team with a heave of a Hail Mary uh, on the very last play of the game. Now, which team did he beat for $30 at the Lakeland Ale House? Was it Florida State University? Georgia or the University of Miami? Which team did he beat with that Hail Flutie pass in 1984? Give us a call, 682-1430, and you can win $30 to the Ale House, where I have been spending a lot of time lately, Ronnie, because the World Cup is going on, and nobody in town is covering it better than Miller's Lakeland Ale House. They got the TVs on. They give you the sound for the—, for the most of the time, it's only one game at a time, but this week— with the final group stage games, they have two games on at a time, and it's been spectacular. And uh, there's those of you who are paying attention, the United States is playing their big, big, huge 
knockout stage game this Saturday. And and I've been told to announce that Miller's Ale House will be opening at 10 a.m. this Saturday, 10 a.m., which coincides with the start of the game where the U.S. men's national team is playing the Netherlands. So you can see the entire game at the Ale House. They'll have the sound on. They'll have TVs on everywhere. And they're going to have great specials, including $3 Coors Light and Miller Light pints, $5 Modelo pints, and dollar wings during the game. If you, but you got to buy them in, in batches of 6, 12, or 24. Okay, can't buy them one at a time, but they're dollar wings. <laughs> How can you go wrong with that? And also, they'll have a coconut shrimp and filet entree, $29.99, and a coconut shrimp entree for $14.99. Great specials on Saturday. Chance to watch the United States go USA. Who wants to take $30 with them to the Lakeland Isles? So we have a caller, Ronnie? We do. Daniel, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. I have an answer to that question. Were you hungry and thirsty? Yeah. All right, good. All right, who did Doug Flutie throw the fail, the famous Hail Flutie pass against? University of Miami. You're oh, exactly yeah. Yeah. right. What a great battle that was in the Orange Bowl that that day. And uh, congratulations, you're going to go to the Lakeland Ale House. You, you're going to get there Saturday morning, 10 a.m. when they open and watch U.S. Team USA. Uh, I'm going to try to. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you don't have you don't have to claim your prize Saturday. You have 30 days to do it. But but it's going to be special there. Uh, I, I watched the Iran game there. And uh, amazing tension, and and the, the crowd is really into it, and they they do a great job taking care of you there, and the um, and it's uh, this is one of the most exciting uh, sporting events uh, for the for the America national team that they've had. Uh, they've certainly haven't had a game this big in eight years, so it's going to be spectacular, and uh, we'll see how they do. But uh, uh, do you remember that game in 1984? Yeah, it's like, um, and then since then played over and over again and stuff. It's like a, a <laughs> yeah. moment in college history. Um, yeah, I was like 16 years old then. So. Uh, yeah, I re- I, re- I was uh, around that age. We'll just put it that way <laughs> at that time too. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I I was actually down in Miami at the time, and I. I Went to a lot of Hurricanes games back then at the at the old Orange Bowl, but I was not at that game. I was watching it on television, and uh, I had some friends who were at the game, and some of them were on their way out the exit to beat the traffic because oh, they thought man. the Canes had it clinched when they scored mm. <laughs> right before. Uh, but they left just uh, they left about thirty seconds for Flutie. That's all he needed. Coach Joe is a recovering Hurricane fan. <laughs> well, I grew I grew up down there, and and that was a there wasn't a lot going on down in Miami sports wise when I was growing up. So, so the uh, but uh, by then I was a, a Gator because I was already at school at UF. But, well, we got uh, him converted now. But, but I, I still have spent a lot of time at the Orange Bowl. You ever you ever get a chance to see a game there? Uh, I haven't uh, seen a game there. Yeah, it yeah. was quite. It's it's it was an interesting place. It was so <laughs> loud there; the place would shake. You're right. It was one of those real old-fashioned stadiums, you know. And uh, uh, the newer ones, you know, some of them are are, are nice, but uh, the, the, the Orange Bowl has that same aura as like a Fenway Park kind of place. It, it did. It had character. It really did. Well, Daniel, hang on the line. Eric will get your information, and um, we'll send you out there, and you'll have 30 days to redeem your certificate. For thirty dollars at Miller's Lakeland Ale House. Okay, thank you. Yeah, hey, come right. sit, come come look for me if you go on Saturday morning. <laughs> okay, go USA, man. All right, all right, all right. On this day in sports in 1956, the USA basketball team, led by Hall of Famers Bill and Russell and KC Jones, 
won the U.S.'s fourth consecutive gold medal. There was no dream team back then. And uh, in 1959, the 25th Heisman Trophy Award went to Billy Cannon, LSU halfback. And, of course, they won their national championship in 1958, LSU did. And in 1959 is when he had the famous midnight run. In 1953, the Red Sox trade for slugger Jackie Jensen, sending pitcher Mickey McDermott and outfielder Tom Umflett to Washington. Jensen averaged 25 home runs a year for seven seasons in Boston, led the AL in RBIs, was MVP in 1958. Of course, if you remember him, he had a fear of flying, hated to fly. But he was a tremendous athlete, actually a great football player at Cal, and he helped Cal win the first College World Series in 1947. And in the semifinals, he bested as a pitcher none other than Hall of Fame quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers and others, Bobby Lane. Well, Coach Joe, I think we're running out of time, but boy, what a great show we've had tonight. A lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. And of course, a reminder of what Eric told us earlier, there was a, a fatality, an accident, traffic accident at uh, uh, Harden and Beacon. Uh, so be careful uh, on your way home from the parade. A lot of a lot of people in town tonight. And, uh, you know, with my job, Ronnie, uh, I work with LPD, and I know it's very tough on on them having to having to work one of those and we feel bad for for the the person the family involved in the accident and uh, I, I wish everybody well with that but please guys as we head into the holidays really be careful out there all right be careful driving especially please do in 1892 Charlie Bachman was born on this date he would become the Florida Gators coach in 1928 and 1929 led the Gators to an eight and one season in 1928. 